This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in Christ Jesus, in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive, so I'm taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. If you have a Bible, we're going to start off in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, we're, we're working our way through the miracles of the New Testament in 2023. Today we come to number 19 by our reckoning. Jesus feeds 5,000 men plus women and children. If God's people would learn to look for and then apply principles and patterns they see in the miracles of the New Testament to their own lives, they could live their lives and hardly have an unmet need. Now, I'm going to start off by saying that we have believed God for less than he has promised. Tell your neighbor, we have believed God for less than he has promised. Tell the neighbor on the other side, we have believed God for less than he has promised. Back on April 23rd, we covered the 16th miracle in the New Testament, Jesus heals two blind men. And I, I want to just pull a principle out of that. So let's go to Matthew 9, 27. I'm just pulling this principle out of this previous miracle as we begin. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, be it done unto you. And their eyes were opened. But that's what I want to rehearse as we begin this morning. According to your faith, be it done unto you. Tell your neighbor, According to your faith, be it done unto you. Tell the neighbor on the other side, according to your faith, will it be done unto you? So we're going to get what we believe for and no more. So we need to do a better job renewing our minds to the word of God and then believe God for more. Now this concept is all over the Bible, but here are just three examples. Hebrews 6.14, saying, surely blessing I will bless thee and multiplying I will multiply thee. This is the mindset of God to bless his children. I was getting dressed to come over here this morning, and the Lord reminded me of <laughs> something from the past that's, you know, kind of small. But uh, this was many years ago. We had just moved from the hotel into the first building up there at I-30. And I was getting dressed one morning, and the Holy Spirit said to me, I think I was getting dressed for a Sunday, and the Holy Spirit said to me, how long are you going to wear those old shoes? And they were Florsheim calfskin. And I said, well, Lord, I said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of nostalgic about these shoes. I preached in Guatemala in these shoes, and I preached in Honduras in these shoes, and I preached in El Salvador in these shoes. <laughs> and he said, 
He said, cast out the old to, get, to make room for the new. And he said, you were in all those places. And you are what's important, not the stuff. And so I'd been watching a pair of shoes. They'd been marked down. They were uh, Florsheim alligators. They were marked down to 300, I think it was $350, $375. Those days are gone forever. And uh, I didn't know how I was going to pay for them, so I got an invite to do a motivational speech for IBM in Dallas. And I went over there and did that speech during their uh, conference. They had an internal conference. They handed me a check. That's how I bought my first pair of alligator shoes. But the point of the whole story is this. How long are you going to wear those old shoes? Now, I'm not even sure who some people are serving. Because they're out here preaching on Sunday mornings that God will heal some of us. And it's not the will of God for God to heal some of us. And, you know... We prove our piety by our poverty and all this stuff. And, and we sing these songs unto the Lord as we begin. And I'm thinking, I know who I'm serving. He's the one that asked me, how long are you going to wear those old shoes? <laughs> he, he leads me down different paths. You know, I spend the whole week writing these wonderful messages and, and then he, he just leads me down a different path. First uh, Rolex I ever had was given to me. And I felt bad. I felt bad because we're pioneering the church in the hotel. And uh, we didn't have a building. And I thought, you know, dear Lord, I can't wear a Rolex to the hotel while we're pioneering a church. And so I took it down to the bank, put it in a safe deposit box. And we had bought the land up at I-30, and so I was out there. We used to have 5 a.m. prayer out on the land before there was even a building, and I'm out there stomping around, believing God. Man, I'm believing God. Man, I'm speaking the word. But he was ignoring my prayers, and he said to me, where's the watch? And I said, well, Father, you know all things. It's down there in the bank in the safe deposit box. And he, he spoke words to me that changed my life. And he said to me, are you ashamed of my blessings? Man, I just changed. How are we going to get this world's attention if we downplay our great, beautiful, wonderful, heavenly Father? He is who he is. And we need, to, we need to get our old selves out of the way, the old man, and we need to let God be God. Yes. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, we have not believed God for enough. Tell the neighbor on the other side, we have not believed God for enough. Saying, surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. Tell your neighbor, you do realize right, tell them. Hebrews is in the New Testament. Tell the neighbor on the other side, you do realize, right? Hebrews is in the New Testament. Saying, surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. This is the mindset of God to bless his children.
And James 4, 2, ye have not because ye ask not. I mean, we've got preachers out here telling God's people that they should feel bad about asking God for help. Ephesians 3, 20, 21, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more, immeasurably more, immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So what's the main reason we don't receive more from the Lord? We don't qualify. Say, ouch. We don't qualify. And why don't we qualify? Because John 15, 7 says, if ye abide in me and my words abide in ye, in you, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it will be done unto you. So we pray before we have meditated on the word. We lay hands on people who have not meditated on the word, and we have not renewed our minds to the word. And since we don't know what the word says, we're not even convinced that the word is true, and that the word does doesn't come to, and when the word doesn't come to pass in our lives, we just assume that's the will of God. We don't realize that we have a part to play. I said, we pray before we have meditated on the word. We lay hands on people who have not meditated on the word, and we have not renewed our minds until we have become convinced of the word. Romans 12, 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. There's a pattern to this world, and the pattern of this world is headed to hell. Do not, be, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed how? Pastor, how can I transform my life? By renewing your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now today we come to the feeding of the 5,000 men plus women plus children. And this exceptional miracle is one of the few mentioned in all four Gospels. Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, and John 6. So number one, if you're taking notes, our great God is a God of compassion. Say it out loud. Our great God is a God of compassion. Here we're in Mark 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And that's part of renewing the mind. You know, we live in a day where everybody's recharging everything, but they don't think about recharging themselves. We got all this noise going on all around us and all the news and all this stuff and we forget that we have to get away. We've got to get to a quiet place. We've got to get in the word of God. We've got to spend time with God and we have got to recharge ourselves. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot <clears throat> from all the towns and got there ahead of them. See, that's what happens when God is in the area. 
When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without an apostle. Is that what it says? They were like sheep without a prophet. Is that what it says? They were like sheep without an evangelist. Is that what it says? They were like sheep without a shepherd. <clears throat> so he began teaching them <clears throat> many things. And notice the way it's recorded in Matthew's gospel. <clears throat> Matthew 14, 14. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Say it out loud. The Lord our God, Lord our God. <clears throat> is a God of compassion. And the Lord our God is a healing God. Our great God is a God of compassion. Number two, Jesus taught the people because he loved them. Jesus taught the people because he loved them. Our generation has many worldly ideas on helping people. But the best way to help people is to teach them so they can take action for themselves. I said the best way to help people is to teach them so that they can take action for themselves. Since 1964, the government has ruined countless lives, <clears throat> destroyed the middle class, destroyed the institution of marriage, destroyed the institution of family in this country by doing for people what they should do for themselves. When you do for people what they should do for themselves, you destroy their character. And the same is true with children. When you do for children what they should do for themselves, you destroy their character. Mark 6, 34, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. He did what? He began teaching them many things. Now, just so far this year, I couldn't count the times I've heard God say to me, you do something about that. You see, because we go to God and we want God to do this and we want God to do that and we want God to take care of this and we want God to take care of that. But God expects us as his children to rise up and to take our place. If you don't have a copy of E.W. Kenyon's book, In His Presence, you ought to get a copy, and probably all of us ought to read it once a quarter, every three months until Jesus comes. Even in my life, the hardest thing for me to do is to be mindful to take my place. We have great power with God, and we have great authority, but we shrink back from taking our place. And when we shrink back from taking our place, we allow the devil, it may not be a conscious decision, but we do, we allow the devil to run us. You ought to get, uh, go back and refresh your memory on part 139 of Faith and Prayer. And I taught about how to fight the good fight of faith when you're under attack. And I wish I'd known this decades ago. It'd be worth a million dollars into the gospel if I could send 
that information back to myself 30 years ago. I didn't know these things 30 years ago. And so when the devil comes against your body or your marriage or your home and your family and you do not rise up and take your place, he has a beachhead in that area. He has a beachhead in your marriage. He has a beachhead in your body. He has a beachhead in your family. He has a beachhead in your money. And then when he comes along and he attacks you in another area, well, now he's got another beachhead. And what happens is we get the feeling overwhelmed because we got all this attack going on. And so what we need to do is stand our ground, know who we are, and not allow the devil an inch. Neither give place to the devil. The word there is topos, from which we get our word topography. Don't give the devil an inch. I mean, I'm talking about nothing. And run him out and run him off. We have to learn how to take our place. We want God to do this and we want God to do that. But God is expecting us. I mean, he gave us all of these tools. He gave us the blood of Jesus. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us the authority to use the name of Jesus. He expects us to rise up and take our place. And to expect what we say to come to pass. So we help people not like the government does by doing things for people that they should be doing for themselves. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't. I can't come to your home and brush your teeth. I can't make you eat right. I can't make you exercise. I can't make you pray. I can't make you read your Bible, but I know. Listen to me now. I had no intention of going down this road, but here I am. I am a winner. I have learned from the Word of God and from my fathers, I have learned what it takes to be a winner. And you cannot live an undisciplined, sloppy life and win in this life. And ain't nobody going to come along and make you do it. So you've just got to have something rise up on the inside and say, I'm going to get up and pray, and I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to meditate on the Word of God, and I'm going to exercise my faith, and I'm going to exercise my authority, and I'm going to have the will of God in my life, and I'm not going to take nothing off the devil. Can I get an amen? amen? And I've seen when I do that, I don't have to get in anybody's cheese line. I don't have to, you know, people are so funny. I have no idea the work, what it takes online, all that you have to do to sign up for welfare. I have no idea. I just know that when Trump did his COVID PPI money thing, and uh, somebody in the office got the form. Oh my gosh, the PDF. I said, ain't no way, no way, no way, no way. I don't want anything to do with it. But the same people that'll fill out all that paperwork, they don't want to meditate 
on Luke 6.18. Seems to me to be a heck of a lot easier to meditate on Luke 6.18 and say, Give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, hallelujah, and not be a servant to man. Our God is a God of multiplication. What are God's people doing sucking up to the government? No, we, we do what Jesus did, and that is we teach the people what they should do for themselves. We teach the people from the Word of God how to live a blessed life. Look, living a blessed life is not a cakewalk because if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. So there is a recipe on how to get there. Now we see this coming up in verse 37 where Jesus says to his disciples, you give them something to eat. See, we want God to do this. We want God to do that. God, you take care of this. You know, God save my father-in-law. God do this. God do that. God heal so-and-so. We want God to do all this stuff. But in verse 37, we're going to see Jesus said to the disciples, you give them something to eat. In other words, Jesus was saying non-verbally, you want me to do this and you want me to do that? Well, why don't you do something? Mark 6, 35, by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Jesus said, you give them something to eat. Matthew 14, 16 records Jesus saying, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said, are we to go and spend? They did not say we ain't got it. They did not say we don't have it in the bag. They said, are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? And here is something you never hear anyone talk about. The disciples said to Jesus, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? I looked it up this week. The median U.S. income is $69,717. So eight months wages would be $46,500. So think of it, they had at least $46,500 with them in the bag, and they had a thief named Judas as a treasurer. Tell your neighbor, they had the money. Tell the neighbor on the other side, they had the money. Because they did not say, we don't have that much with us. 
They said, are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Literally, think about how stupid some of what is being taught out here is. Jesus had 12 full-time associates, and back then a Jew wasn't even considered a man until he was married, and the Bible specifically says Peter had a mother-in-law. So Jesus had 12 full-time associates, and that's a lot of expense, and they were traveling all the time, and that's a lot of expense. Plus, he had a thief for a treasurer. And yet, with all of that going on, they had eight months' wages in the bag. The disciples said to Jesus, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Number three, God works with what you have, not with what you don't have. Let him who has eyes to see, see, and let him who has ears to hear, hear. God works with what you have, not with what you don't have. In this series, Miracles of the New Testament, we have seen this principle over and over and over. Our great God is a God who believes in stewardship. You see, you want money, but God wants you to tithe what you've got. You want money, but God wants you to tithe what you've got. You want money, but God wants you to give so that it shall be given unto you. It's a standoff, and most people never get past the standoff. To get anywhere with God, you've got to use what you have. To get anywhere with God, you've got to be a good steward of what you have already. God works with what you have, not with what you don't have. Mark 6, 38 says it this way, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. Jesus did not, you know, get depressed, say, you know, doggone it, we ain't got no money. Doggone it, we ain't got no bread. Doggone it, we ain't got no fishes. You know, well, I guess we'll just have to go to Herod and, and sign up for the PPPI money. I guess we'll just have to go to the government and get in the cheese line. I guess we'll just have to do a GoFundMe. I guess we'll just have to do a, uh, we'll just have to suck up to the world. Try and get a nickel. How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. People want to focus on what they don't have, and so they don't give out of what they do have. People want to focus on what they don't have, and so they don't give out of what they do have. But Jesus wants us to focus on what we do have and give out of what we do have so that what we do have can be multiplied by him back into our hands. Number four, God multiplies what we give him. Number four, God multiplies what we give him. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks. This generation out here, all they're doing is whining, crying, complaining, I mean, they have no idea. I wish I could take some of these whiners and criers and complainers and send them back 150 years to work in a coal mine. They sit at home tweeting, you know, on their $800 iPhone. 
about how it all sucks and, you know, how, you know, they just need more help and we need more free stuff and all of this stuff sitting in mommy's basement in the air conditioning. I wish to God we could send them back a couple of hundred years to work in a coal mine and then tell me how hard they have it in 2023. He gave thanks. Yeah, but pastor, I don't know why he did that. It wasn't enough. <laughs> Ain't enough in the hands of Jesus is more than enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have learned the secret. Hallelujah. We got married. All the money I made selling cookware was gone. You know, paying for everything. Buying a ring for Sue is all gone. All we had was $400 that Sue's grandparents gave us at the wedding. And we had it out. We had it out. Hallelujah. I learned the key to the whole deal. Hallelujah. We had it out. And we were tithing. We were, our budget in that seminary apartment over there, 4084 Meriden, Fort Worth, was $10 a week. Didn't take long for us to figure out we couldn't live on $10 a week, so we went to $15 a week. But we were tithing. We were tithing. We were tithing. $400. But look, look what God can do with $400 and a willing heart. I said, look what God can do with $400 and a willing heart. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 And I learned, I learned the same thing is true in the ministry. And I've learned to obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. First off, I've learned to be a doer of the written word of God. But then I've learned to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I've learned to do so immediately without equivocation. Because there's blessing on the way. Yes. Hallelujah. I said there's blessing on the way. Blessing, I will bless you. Blessing, I will multiply you. People get focused on what they, they don't have. Well, I don't have enough. Well, huh, I don't feel sorry for anybody that doesn't have enough because we didn't have enough. We don't have enough right now. They have printed so much money, there's no telling what it's going to cost to build phase two. But I have no doubt, I have no doubt, I have no doubt, I have no doubt that God is going to, I mean, if he has got to ram the money down your throat with a fire hose, God is going to get the money into Faith Christian Center, and we are going to, I am going to stand in phase two, and I am going to preach in a paid-off building, and I am going to declare the wonders of God in a paid-off phase two. Without a doubt, without a doubt, without a doubt, without a doubt, because I learned don't focus on what you don't have. Amen. Give God glory with what you do have. Amen. Give generously to God with what you do have. Amen. And God will multiply what you put in his hands and he'll give it back to you. Hallelujah. 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 
And you know, people get upset. And what a great use of time. Yesterday I sat there and listened to Sue's message from 2009, March 22, 2009. Crazy faith. We lost the video. We don't have the video, but you can listen to it on the app. Crazy faith. And I thought, oh my gosh, I forgot about all that. Even though Austin and I redid that message, I forgot all about all that. Post-its and, and what it took to get here, what it took to get here. But the word works. Oh, and she said, she said that the people have problems with this because when you do all of that and you get the prize, they feel left out. Because, you see, it violates, it violates the culture in 2023 of do nothing. Because, you know, you, man, you got to meditate on the word. You got to speak the word. And then you got to, you know, if you want to know how to remind yourself of the confessions, put them where you go the most. Put them right there on that refrigerator. Put them on the pantry. Amen. Because you know you're going to be there a hundred times a day. And you know you're going to see the word amen. And, and you're going to be reminded to speak the word of God. Amen. amen. He said you give them something to eat. And they had the money in the bag. Well, I, I, I thought you, you taught stewardship here. Well, this is God's stewardship. This is God's stewardship. We're not going to spend the money in the bag. We're going to multiply the loaves and the fishes. Even if, now I'm probably a little too direct here, a little too much TMI about, you know, the way the ministry operates. Let's say that new phase is going to cost 20, let's say 20 million. If we had it, I wouldn't take the money out of the treasury of the church to build it. I'd talk you into giving it. Why would I do that? Well, number one, that's good stewardship. But number two, if you all gave 20 million, and that, that would be, let's say, over a five-year five time frame or 10-year, 20 million, that means, that means I, I, I need a calculator. What's 30-fold on 20 million? 600 million? What's 60-fold on 20 million? 120 million? What's 100-fold on 20 million? Is that 2 billion? <laughs> well, that don't make no sense. <laughs> We're not operating by sense. We're operating by faith. If we were operating by sense, Sue and I would still be living in some apartment driving some, you know, old car. Are you hearing me? Yes. We're not operating by sense. Right. Did you know I got saved? So I don't live like other men. See, the problem is Christians living like other men. That's the problem. They got saved, but they didn't get their minds renewed. They got saved, but they didn't change their behavior. They got saved, but they didn't start acting like children of the living God. Tell your neighbor, we haven't believed God for enough. Tell the neighbor on the other side, we have not believed God for enough.
He gave thanks. Every time you open your mouth and complain about not having enough, you are casting shade on God and you are casting shade on his word. Learn to be like Jesus and give thanks. Then he gave them to his disciples and, set be and to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. Say it out loud five times. They all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. And, all the, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. So you know the story, five loaves, two fish, they feed 5,000 men, plus women, plus children, everybody eats, everybody's satisfied, and they gather up 12 basketfuls of fragments, so they ended with more than they started with. The number of men, plus women, plus children who had eaten was 5,000. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record that there were 12 basketfuls left over. People today are saying that lack is good. They're saying that not enough is good. They actually teach that Christians prove their piety by their poverty. But our great God revealed himself to Abraham as El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. He's not just the God of enough, and he's certainly not the God of not enough. He's not even the God of barely enough. He is the God of more than enough. I found out who he was. I know it irritates people, but I found out who he was. I found out who, isn't that a shame to get saved and go to church for decades and not even know who God is? Wouldn't that be a shame? But I found out who he was. Not only that, John 6, 11 specifically says the disciples gave the people as much as they wanted. Say it out loud five times, as much as they wanted. That's what God wants to do for you as much as you want. I said, that's what God wants to do for you as much as you want. John 6, 10, Jesus said to have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thank and thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. So let's, let's wrap this up where we started. Jesus had the disciples distribute to the people as much as they wanted of both the bread and the fish. Now we started this morning in Matthew 9 where Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. So you, you, don't, you don't not have enough because it's the will of God that you not have enough. You don't have not enough because that's the will of God. You're, you're, you're not sick that's the will, not, because that's the will of God. You're not, not healed because that's the will of God. See, we want God to do this, and we want God to do that, and we want to shove this off on God, and we want to shove that off on God. No, 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 no. We are the masters of our own lives. He gave us the gift of Jesus. He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. He gave us through great price. 
He gave us the word of God. He gave us the name of Jesus to use in authority against the evil one. Not only that, he already defeated Satan on our behalf. Colossians 2.15, he already translated us out of the dominion of Satan into the kingdom of light. He's done all this to prepare us to do the works of Jesus in our generation. The reason you don't have more, the reason we don't have more, is we haven't believed God for enough. And some of us haven't give, given <clears throat> what we've had to Jesus. Some of us here haven't obeyed God in stewardship, so he can't trust us with more. And I know people may think I'm fanatical about, you know, keeping the building up and taking care of everything. This is stewardship. See, if I want God to bless with me with more, <clears throat> I have to be a good steward of what I have. I mean, we were, in a, we were in a church just recently. I mean, the whole thing's falling down, falling down, falling down. So does God love me more than that man? No way. It's, it's about what we believe God for. Man, I mean, I'm telling you what, one of these air conditioning compressors go up, go out on the roof, you don't even want to know what they cost. And our answer to everything is, the money's coming. And we don't worry about it. We don't do a GoFundMe. We don't, we don't apply for uh, government money. We just say the money's coming. And you know what happens? It's a funny thing. The money comes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We were meeting with architects this week. We went to look at a church. And this architect was bragging about how that they do this on all the churches they do now. You know, it's all concrete floors. I thought, man, you have obviously not been to Faith Christian Center. I, man, we're going to have us a fellowship atrium so big. I mean, there's no telling how many people could just fit in that area. And we're going to tile it. Yes. Concrete? The parking lot will be concrete. I found out who he was. He said to me, how long are you going to wear those old shoes? So when you die, you think he's going to give you a, a robe from the Goodwill bin? You think he's going to give you some crummy cabin outside the city down on the creek bank where you can eat wild onions and drink spring water? Who, who are you serving? Who are you praying to? Who are you talking to in the mornings? I don't know how I'm going to make it. <laughs> I just don't know how I'm going to make it. Well, take what you have that ain't enough and put it in the master's hands and let him multiply it and give it back to you. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Jesus said in one of these miracles, if thou canst but believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's bow our heads. You may be here this morning and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life personally and individually. Jesus said in John chapter Three, you must be born again. He didn't say it was a good idea. He didn't say it was highly recommended. He said you must be born again. Revelation 3, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship it with him and he with me. See, the work's done. It's already done. The work's done. So what we have to do is take action on the work that's done give our lives to God through the Lord Jesus, ask him to forgive us of our sins and to come into our lives and be the Lord of our lives. How many this morning have not done that, but you'd like to, you want, you want to be included in this prayer? Pastor, I want to be saved. Pastor, I want to be forgiven of my sins. Pastor, I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of my life. This wonderful, beautiful, generous Father God, that you have spoken of this morning, I want him to be my father. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up, lift it up high enough to where I can see it. We're going to pray. Pastor, pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to be forgiven of my sins. You may be here this morning and you're away from God. You're not living for God like you once did. You, you, there was a time you prayed the prayer. You might have walked in aisle. You told God that you'd loved him, that you'd live for him. And you meant it when you prayed it. But over the passing of time, you've allowed yourself to go back to the old friends and the old habits and the old routines. And you're not living for the Lord like you once did. The word covers this, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not only will he forgive us, he'll cleanse us. How many this morning would say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I'm away from God. I'm backslidden. You might even be here this morning and you might say, I forgot who I was serving. Hey, you might be here this morning and, and you got all caught up in, in self-pity. But see, I'm preaching about the one today that said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. He is always with us. And when we feel the temptation to feel sorry for ourselves, it's simply because we're allowing the devil to run us emotionally and we have not spent time renewing our minds to the word of God. For example, where Jesus said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, nothing shall harm you. And we get blue. And the devil comes in like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And that's, as we think it's coincidence, it's not coincidence, that's when that old girlfriend calls, that's when that old boyfriend calls, that's when the drug dealer calls, that's when these old things pop up because Satan's prompting them. Why don't you call so-and-so? And before you know it, we're back with the old crowd and we're not living the life Jesus meant for us to live. So how many this morning would say, Pastor, I'm away from God, I'm backslidden, I'm not living for the Lord like I know I should, but I want, 
I don't want to remain in a backslidden condition. I want to renew my commitment to Christ. I want to live for him from this day to my last day. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up. We're going to pray. God's going to hear us. Father, I thank you for your word. It is an incorruptible seed. It has gone forth into the hearts of the hearers. And it will not return to you empty or void, but it will accomplish what you desire and achieve the purpose for which you've sent it. For this, we give you our praise. For the sake of those watching online who may be desirous to make a commitment to Christ or a recommitment, everybody in the room, let's pray this proud loud together. Father God, time's gone by. I've gone my own way. I've done my own thing. And I've lived for self. But I turn from that old way of living. And I give you my life. I ask in Jesus' name that you would forgive me of my sins. Take out of my heart any bitterness, any unforgiveness, any grudge-bearing, anything that would hinder me in my walk with you. Put within me a new heart. Write your word upon my heart and make me new in Christ Jesus. And I thank you for it, Father God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you're watching online and you prayed that prayer as a commitment or a recommitment, you can contact us at fccarlington.com salvation. We'd love to send you a copy of my book, God's Very Own Child. If you need a Bible, let us know. We'll be happy to send you a Bible. All of our needs are met, so we're able to be generous on every occasion. Can I get an amen?